Hey, it's Ralph here. Q1 is now closing and it probably didn't go as well as you had hoped, but I'm sure your agency is probably telling you that they crushed it. But in reality, it crushed you. If your agency isn't on the same page as you are, if there's something wrong, but you can't quite put your finger on what that thing is, go on over to tier11.com forward slash apply. It will set you up on a call to show you a better way to look at your business, not just metrics that make us agencies look good, but something that actually moves the needle and makes you more money, acquires more new customers, and ultimately achieves your vision. Head on over to tier11.com forward slash apply today. You're listening to Perpetual Traffic. Hello and welcome to the Perpetual Traffic Podcast. This is your host, Ralph Burns. This is episode 285. I'm alongside virtually my awesome co-host, Amanda Powell. Amanda, how are you? I'm doing good as usual. How you doing, Ralph? Um, probably a little bit less stressed than you are because you're right in the middle of this thing called Traffic and Conversion Summit right now. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit, but things are going really well. If you're at Traffic, or if you were at Traffic and Conversion Summit, I should say, um, you'll be excited about our next guest too. Yeah, yeah, because if you missed her on the last day of TNC, well, you get a chance right here to actually listen to what she uh, spoke about. We are so excited to have none other than Shalene Johnson on Perpetual Traffic. And she's going to be dropping the knowledge bombs all about changes in social marketing, which is what she spoke about at Traffic and Conversion Summit. If you guys don't know who Shalene is, well, you know, shame on you because you should. First off, she is the number one infomercial host on the number one infomercial show. She's got 70 million podcast downloads. She's got 12,000 marketing students. And she manages 10 different social media accounts with over 5 million followers. Doesn't that break Facebook and Instagram? It's crazy how popular and influential Shalene is. So we're really excited to have Shalene on the show. Welcome to Perpetual Traffic. Thanks. I'm super excited to do this. It's like my favorite topic in the world. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you are... Uh, I think you sort of transitioned from sort of the health and fitness into really like business advice. And that's what we're really going to be talking about here today, helping to grow businesses. Yeah, you did it in a specific niche, but the stuff we're going to be talking about here today is applicable to, to any business, especially on social. And it's so important right now, isn't it? It is. And, you know, just to clear up that misconception, I started in business and started teaching business and marketing long before I entered fitness. So I always say the reason why people know me in fitness is because <laughs> I love marketing. Mm. And I mean, I didn't study fitness. I didn't study anything to do with kinesiology or exercise. It wasn't even the thing I was the most passionate about. I've always been incredibly passionate and obsessed with marketing. And that's how I've been able to pick a new niche, whatever it is, whether it's fitness or uh, productivity tools and create million dollar businesses. Because once you really understand marketing, you can apply that to just about any niche. And it, you don't have to be the best at it. You just have to be the best at making sure people know where to find you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it doesn't really matter how great your product is. If nobody knows it exists and you can't get the message out there, nobody's going to buy it anyway and nobody's going to care. So you've been able to do that with multiple businesses. So, I mean, 
Let's get into some of the topics and some of the things you, you talked about in your TNC presentation. We'll give you a link in the show notes to obviously get the recordings of TNC in case you did miss it, but you shouldn't have because it is the best marketing conference on the planet this year, obviously being completely virtual, run by my co-host here, completely with no help from anyone on the digital marketer team. Totally um, by myself. That's totally by yourself. It. Yeah, just ran the whole stuff. conference. Yep. <laughs> Snap your fingers and it happens. So changes in social marketing, there hasn't been any changes in the last three to five years. I mean, come on, it's all- or the last three to five months. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, uh, compared to the last year, it we have moved at light speed. It's yeah. kind of crazy. And, and a lot of it having to do with the pandemic and everyone going online. And I think one of the things I would first mention is the movie, The Social Dilemma. Have you seen it? We did a show about it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I think it's a, it's a, a big deal. And by that, I mean, it has changed our collective understanding of what we are a part of. And I think collectively, we've all kind of come to this realization that it's not great for us. And so what we've seen is people trying their best to get out of something that we also have to be in. Mm -hmm. So we see a lot of people unfollowing a lot. People aren't looking at the same type of content. We aren't consuming social media the same way. And I think we're going to continue to see that dial back and dial back and people being far more intentional about who it is they're following and what it is they're looking at. And we're also incredibly aware, hypersensitive to being sold as consumers. Mm -hmm. So I think that's the first thing that all of us have to be aware of is something's going on and, and we're all kind of like, this isn't good for me, but yet I still want to be a part of it. How can I change my own behaviors? And when we look at the way consumers change their behaviors, it affects the way we market our products and services. How has that affected you? Because that's a huge deal right now. And obviously there's changes coming with Facebook. I mean, news this week that, you know, it's declared more or less a monopoly, you know, surprise, surprise. Yeah, it probably is. But, you know, there's going to be a lot of changes with privacy. There's going to be a lot of changes with just the platforms unto themselves. Like, how do you make that transition from, and we said this five years ago, is that social has a very high bullshit meter on it anyway. And right now it seems even more so because there are more people glued to their devices than ever, especially with the pandemic. How have you been able to adapt to that? What specifically do you provide for, for people who are interested in getting you know in front of your message? Well, what's really nice about the position that I'm in is because we have so many marketing students, we're able to constantly do case studies. So mm -hmm. if I think that something's going on and I'm looking at my own behaviors, I'm looking at what's happening on my personal accounts, uh, I don't have to hypothesize. We, we always take it to case studies. We review, mm -hmm. you know, up to 250 different profiles, business profiles to figure out like, okay, what is going on and, and where are the trends headed? So, so the biggest change is kind of an overview, like a 20,000 feet view is that we because we are consumers and we are marketers, mm -hmm. we are becoming far more intentional about the things that we're looking at. So the average person follows, let's say, whether it's Facebook or Instagram, over 250 other accounts or pages, if you will. And we're only looking at about 3% of those, right? And most of us are trying to unfollow. Like mm -hmm. I'm sure there are people listening now who have, you're following thousands, maybe. Maybe you did the follow, unfollow. Maybe you just did that as a marketing strategy. And mm -hmm. so- the percentage that you're actually looking at and engaging with is very, very small. And as we know, the machine learning of the algorithms factors in like, okay, if you haven't interacted with this page, if you haven't gone and sought this page out, 
it will not show up in your feed. So it's really essentially like you're only following 3% of the people you're actually following. The question is, how do we become the 3%? Like, how do mm-hmm. I create the content that people are actually engaging with and looking for and, and going to that account each day? Or it's the machine learning. It knows enough about what it is I want to see that it's putting that content in front of me. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's been a real shift. You had mentioned case studies. Are you using case studies to kind of get into that 3%? Is that the kind of content that you're using? So people are kind of recognizing themselves within within the, your content so that yeah. they start connecting? No, we're using the case studies to figure out what is working from a broad perspective. Like, mm-hmm. so what is the average person? What type of content are they looking at? What type of content are they maybe looking at, but they're not engaging with? Ah, okay. And uh, being able to share those statistics for brands and, and solo entrepreneurs who are trying to figure out like, why, why has my reach plummeted? Why mm-hmm. aren't I getting the same type of impressions? Why aren't my insights anywhere where they once were. And I'm spending so much more time trying to create incredible content. So there's some really good news. Like, even though that feels <laughs> kind of like, like a, you know, a sad state of affairs for those of us who are in marketing, it's actually not. So I'm, I'm excited to share with you what we've learned and mm-hmm. how we've been able to apply some of these strategies and see brands just like crush it. Yeah. And that That's was right. going to be, I think, Ralph and I, both of our next question is like, so what are the results? Now I'm curious. um, So what was working even like a year ago and what we were teaching to our marketing students Mm -hmm. has changed almost exclusively. Oh, I'm sure. What isn't working is, what isn't working is interesting content. It's just not good enough. Like we, and, and also personal content, like for a long time, for the last several years, it was like vulnerable posts. Mm-hmm. You know, tell us who you are, what's going on in your life. And now it's like, I ain't got time. I ain't got yep. time for all of these. Like, that's great. That's what's going on. That, yes. That's wonderful. You just created a vulnerable post and um, that's who you're out to dinner with, or that's what you're doing today. Now, like, we don't care. We're only interested in content now that like truly has value based on whatever it is the problem is I'm trying to solve or the thing that I crave for entertainment. Not surprisingly, comedy, anything funny is crushing, like just absolutely crushing, which is why uh, Facebook slash Instagram is coming for TikTok in the form of reels. And the reason why those videos, especially the funny ones, are going viral overnight for so many small, tiny, tiny accounts who really understand how to use that to their advantage to promote their brand, but also provide that that relief. People want funny. Here's the other thing that, here's what we're consuming. We're consuming things that are shareable. So if I create a post about me and tell you what's going on in my life or, or my opinion or, or what's behind the scenes for me, you're not sharing that because that doesn't say anything mm-hmm. about you. Right. We share things that say something about who we are. So the content that's getting shared is the content that people are like, yes, that's what I was trying to say. Or like that represents me or that's my sense of humor or this explains who I am. And so it's a, a real shift for marketers to stop thinking like, is this interesting? And is this helping people understand who I am? But more so, is this the type of content that's so valuable? People want to screenshot it. They want to share it. They want to repost it. Mm. So if you're not naturally funny, for example, or you're not 
Shalene Johnson, who has you know all kinds of experience doing this and is ahead of a lot of the trends. How does a small business owner, uh, the listener of this show here, make that dent in the universe and actually get the the you know the audience that they're craving that two years ago hey i just have to be interesting and i have to be useful and helpful but now like that doesn't work anymore so what do you do what's your suggestion all right so i want you to think about this in terms of commercial advertising so if you're a network and you're running different shows different programming the advertisers don't care what the programming's about they just know that there are eyeballs on that show mm-hmm. And so they want to run their ads on any show that's got eyeballs. So the same is true on every social media platform. You just need eyeballs on your content. So one thing that we've been testing, and it's just insane how much quicker these platforms grow and the engagement stays strong as on any platform where we're sharing other viral content that relates to our niche, that relates to the content that our target audience would be interested in, but it's not necessarily the content that our brand is creating. An example of this is an account that you couldn't find called Home Workouts, the number four, underscore you. Home Workouts, the number four, underscore you. And this is an account that I manage, I own it, and it has grown just so quickly, over half a million followers, And there's this much content from me on it, zero. So I'm sharing on that page viral content or quality content, very valuable content for people who are interested in working out at home. So that drives all this traffic to one page where people are, these are people who are interested in working at home. Well, I sell, one of the things that we we sell, one of our businesses, we sell at-home fitness programs. So I'm driving all that traffic there. Now, what do I do with all those eyeballs if it's not my content? it's the profile, right? And it's writing captions and it's in the stories. So it's in our stories where people want to go deeper and figure out like, okay, who's behind this content. But the bottom line is if it were just me posting my workouts every day, I can't grow that, that fast. There's no way, you know, I'm, I'm not a 22 year old and gym shark like, you know what I mean? Like there's, I can only do so much. I can only intrigue so many people. People want variety. People want value. So if I provide for them the type of content that my target audience is looking for, then I'm going to attract those people much faster and I get a bigger audience. And that's Mm. what allows me to drive that traffic then to our products and services. So reverse engineering it with the front end being not necessarily just informational, helpful, useful, but in this case, viral content, funny content that's curated. And I assume you have a team that does this or you oversee it or like how, how would a business owner do that? And what would you be your suggestion? Depends on your resources. Um, Mm -hmm. I can walk you through the exact process of this. And number one, I want to mention that the home workouts for you example that I suggested, I suggested that because there's nothing funny on there. It's all just really valuable pieces of content. Um, and, but funny is, is something you can do with brands too. We've got, I mean, so many examples that I can share with you, but first let me walk you through how a brand would do this. First, you have to wrap your head around the idea that it doesn't have to be your content. It just has to serve your target audience. Mm. It just has to serve you. And that's really hard for so many brands because they're like, oh, what about my aesthetic? Aesthetics are over. Nobody cares whether you're going quote card 
soft filtered photo, soft filter photo, <laughs> oh card. Like you, know, you don't have to do that grid anymore. No one freaking cares. That's 2019 and it's not working right. because it starts to look the same. And if things start to look the same in our feed, it doesn't stop the scroll. Mm-hmm. It's pretty, it's on brand, but no one cares. It has to be immediately valuable with just what I'm looking at. Even the biggest change is that our captions, people were so reliant upon our captions um, just six months ago. You saw people turning their captions into blog posts, mm-hmm. right? Today, so much has changed that if your caption is really strong, but your image can't stand alone as being valuable without that context, it doesn't stop the scroll. Mm-hmm. So it's not working as well. So the first thing you want to do is think, what is the ha- what are the hashtags that my target audience is using? And the way to do this is by looking at the people who follow, already follow your account, look at their accounts and see what hashtags they're using. Then you go to that hashtag, write down, these are the steps. Here we go. Mm-hmm. You write down, like, let's say, for example, it's one of my marketing programs. Mm-hmm. And I know that my target audience is primarily 30 to 45 year old female. And she is a mom and she's an entrepreneur and she's a newer entrepreneur. So an easy hashtag for me to find her is mompreneur. So I go to mompreneur hashtag. I look at the top posts. Okay. Now of those top posts, maybe five of them are someone else's picture. So it wouldn't make sense for me to post that, but maybe one of them is a really funny Instagram reel that relates to being a mompreneur Mm -hmm. or it's a quote card. It's in the top. So it's already, it's already proven to work with the algorithm. It's already proven that this is a, a valuable piece of content. So then I can screenshot that, or I can use a reposting app where you must give the originator credit. These are public accounts. And 90% of the time, I shouldn't say that, 99% of the time, (laughs) we are flattered when people share our content because that's going to expose us to someone else's audience. Mm -hmm. I mean, I love it when people share my content, please. Sure. How else are people going to find me unless you're sharing my content? Now, it's recommended that you reach out to that account and say, hey, I'd love to promote this. I'd love to share it and give you full credit. Although at the moment, you're not required to do that but it's a best practice, but you Mm. must, must, must give that original poster credit, but you can write your own caption and then use your own hashtags. And that content is again, proven that it's going to work and you're going to attract far more people if you're regularly posting that type of content. The next question most entrepreneurs or, or brand managers will ask is how much content can I get away with resharing? And the only way to answer that is to say, you must look at your insights. You know, Mm -hmm. if your insights continue to to go up, 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 then you know it's working. And if you see them dropping down, then you've you've got to find the right balance. Generally speaking, the smaller the account and the quicker you want to grow it, the more shared content you want to share or reposted, featured content, I like to call it. The bigger your brand is and the more, you know, already uh, loyal fans and followers you have, then you want to adjust that the opposite way where maybe maybe 80% of the content is you and 20% is shared viral content. Mm -hmm. Again, related to your niche. It's got to relate to your niche or you're going to end up getting followers who don't become customers. Right. Well, there is no question that when it comes to influence and persuasion in digital marketing, no one, and I mean no one, commands more respect than Dr. Robert 
Cialdini. If you have never read his books, Influence and Persuasion, I swear you are missing so much in your digital marketing, not only as an influencer and an advertiser, but as just a great marketer. And that's why I'm so excited to invite you to a free webinar where he'll be sharing his latest insights on new e-commerce strategies. Now, alongside Dr. Cialdini, you'll learn from Bass Wouters and the authors of Reputation King, my buddy Scott Branley and DJ Sprague. Attendees will absolutely be able to understand exactly how to gain a competitive edge in the marketplace by leveraging online reputation management. Now, that's something that we haven't talked about here on this show all that much. And it's more reason for you to register for the webinar here, which is completely free over at reputationking.com forward slash PT. So join us on April 18th from 12 noon to 2 p.m. Eastern. That's 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Pacific for you West Coasters by registering at reputationking.com forward slash PT. Once again, that's reputationking.com forward slash PT. Cialdini has been a huge influence on me. and I can't wait to see how his new e-commerce strategies resonate with you and how they affect your business in a positive way using reputation management. Make sure that you register for the April 18th free webinar at reputationking.com forward slash PT. Right. So just, I mean, the, the idea of followers being just a vanity metric is just like, that's so like six or seven years ago. Like you just, you need, you need the people that are actually following you. Somebody who is eventually or could conceivably at some point purchase your product. I mean, we're not doing this for free and for entertainment value. I suppose you are like in a certain degree, obviously that's entertaining. And we all enjoy marketing as you, you know, you had mentioned here before you're a marketer first, you know, health and, and, and wellness and fitness sort of secondary to that. The point is, is you have to begin with the end in mind. Like, where do you eventually want them to go? In your case, it's pretty clear cut. So go after those types of people as long as you obviously, you know, your avatar. Yes. And what's important for everyone to recognize is we attract them with our feed. So think of your feed as almost uh, your, your lead magnet, but we don't convert them until they start watching our stories, mm-hmm. right? So, so we attract people to our feed. The feed is a very different experience than in our stories. It's in our stories where we, people are like, they're almost spying on you. Like, oh, okay, do I, do, I, do I like this person? Do I trust them? Do I relate to them? And stories are also where we can, I don't want to say manipulate, but work the algorithm to make sure that our feed content is showing up in this person's feed. And more importantly, that our stories, whether it's Facebook stories or now Twitter um, and YouTube, you know, that we're all using stories and the way that content shows, because again, if you're following 250 people, what makes one person's little circle of stories show up before someone else's if they both posted at the exact same moment, what makes my story show up ahead of someone else's is if you've interacted with my story in the past. And by interaction, I mean, like you're physically touching it. You're voting on a poll. You're answering a yes or no. You've sent me a DM. You have tapped back to rewatch a story. Like those are all very important metrics. So there's one strategy for feed. And then there's a completely different strategy to go deeper in our stories to create that no like trust with our customers because our customers go the order of this is they go from uh, explore page 
to your feed. They look at your feed and they go, is this person worth following? Mm-hmm. They have to glance at your page and in three seconds they go, I don't feel like following anyone else. It's like giving our email address away. It's like, I don't really, do I really want to follow right. another person? So it better be damn good. It, you, they better glance at it and go like, oh, I can see the problem that they solve or why this would be valuable for me to follow. Then they follow. Then they watch a little bit on your feed and decide if they're going to watch stories. Once they go to stories, sometimes they rarely even look at the feed. But once we're in stories, now we're on the path to becoming a customer. So this is so interesting to me. So my next question was going to be, how do you get them essentially off of the platform and into whatever lead magnet product that you're trying to sell them? And it sounds like, first of all, this is such like a golden nugget that we haven't talked about before is using the feed for engagement and using stories for conversion. So why is it that stories work better? Because someone who's gone to your stories has already raised their hand and said, I kind of want to know the stuff that isn't even that valuable. Like, I kind of want to know like who you are and what's going on. And mm-hmm. that's the person who's already like trying to figure you out mm-hmm. and trying to figure out like, okay, what else is here? Who is behind this account? What? And the, the way that we convert on stories has also changed tremendously in the last six months. So for anyone who has under 10,000 followers, which the majority of people do, you're desperate for that swipe up. Mm -hmm. But I can tell you in our case studies that using a poll will convert at 77% higher rate than using a swipe up. So the swipe up has become white noise. Number Mm -hmm. one, consumers don't like purchasing within the app. And most, the average person doesn't realize they can just tap on the three little dots in the upper right-hand corner and take that link off of the Instagram experience and onto a Safari or or Chrome, whatever. Mm -hmm. So they just go, I don't want to swipe up because I I don't want to shop inside the app. So the swipe up has become white noise, number one. The swipe up does not allow us to follow up. Mm -hmm. If I I say swipe up, if you'd like more information – how do I have any way of knowing who was interested? I have no way of following up. I have no way of saying, did that work for you or answering any questions? Mm-hmm. It's done. It's like, it's like driving past a billboard on the highway. You really don't know if that worked. You're just mm-hmm. guessing. Mm-hmm. So what I love, we've experimented with this and it's just an amazing opportunity for everyone to speak directly to your customer without selling them. So here's, here's the strategy. You simply give your explanation of what it is you're offering, explain it, tell people what, who it's for and who it's not for, uh, give them the pros and the cons, like explain it the way you would to your girlfriend, right? You, you don't tell your girlfriend, I, I love everything about it. Cause there's nothing that you love everything about. I just got a new car. I love it, but I absolutely hate the fact that it's so high up. I feel like I need a step ladder to get into it. Like mm-hmm. you have to be honest, even with your own product, like who this is for and who it's not for explain it all the way through. And then instead of saying swipe up to take 10% off or swipe up to learn more, you just say, if that, if you would like to learn more, or if you'd like me to send you the link, or if you'd like the discount click yes. And if you're not interested, just click the no thanks. And you Mm -hmm. just put up a little poll sticker. Now, what's super cool about your analytics is you swipe up on that particular story. Mm -hmm. You personally, as the account owner, you swipe up to look at your insights and you'll get a graph of who voted yes and who voted no. Every person who voted yes, you can then click on their, there's just a little arrow. It's very simple to do this. And because Instagram is created for us, tech shorteners, 
you can create text shorteners every single day and you can say, hey, thanks so much for voting. Yes, I love that you're interested. Here is a link that gives you 10% off. Let me know how it goes. And then at, here's really important. At the bottom of your message, your link needs to go at the very bottom. Your link needs to be the last sentence. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it won't be clickable. Now, that does a couple of different things for me. Number one, they just got a message from me, right. a personal message from me or my VA. And it it's a long message. They don't know that it, I used a text shortener and I just tapped a button. Mm-hmm. It feels very personal. It feels like, oh my gosh, this person has a lot of followers or this brand has a lot of followers. It's just like if you've ever been DM'd on Twitter by a large brand and you're like, mm-hmm. oh, this is amazing. You know, mm-hmm. Delta Airlines actually reached out. Like mm-hmm. people are very touched by that and they're much higher likelihood that they're going to convert. So number one, it creates this feeling of reciprocity. Number two, you have a means by which to follow up. Number three, you now have a relationship. And number four is that's an engagement. Mm. So not only did they tap the button, that's one engagement, and viewed my story, that's two. And then they also DM'd me, that's three. And, and those are really significant pieces of data for the machine learning that says, oh, this person wants to see this person's account. Mm-hmm. Mm. So not only do you have an opportunity to get your product in front of them, but now you're also starting to pop up more frequently in the front of their stories because you are creating those specific engagements, which is why engagement metrics are also important. It's all making sense. Stories are everything. You know, I I use, when I launched my first infomercial in 2005, YouTube was barely a thing. I think we're on MySpace, you know? And so we filmed, we spent millions of dollars on this production and then the company that I partnered with, which was um, Beachbody, we, they, I should say, spent a small fortune to pay a consulting agency to bring in a team of uh, a focus group. And I can't remember what the amount was. It was astronomical to bring basically 15 people, random people into a, a room and ask them to watch the infomercial and dial it up when something resonated and dial it down when it didn't. And then to fill out questionnaires about like what words, what language, what things they liked, what things they didn't like. And, and we had to do that back then. We just didn't know today. I create nothing without co-creating it with my audience. My audience, Mm -hmm. I use questions to say, um, how does it make you feel when, and now I screenshot all of those responses because that's the language I'm going to use in my copy. That's the, those, her language is what I'm going to use on my sales page. The way she describes the problem is probably different than the way I describe the problem. And so having that relationship with them is unbelievably invaluable. I use it every single day. How much should I price it at? What are you struggling with? Even how do you describe that thing? It's, it's crazy how much information I get using my stories. Cause that's where your truly connected customer is. I love that. So do you feel like stories is the best, the biggest opportunity going into 2021 or what other platforms are you, are you focused on? Here's the question that I really have stories in Facebook. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Same platform, but yeah. so are we still like Facebook still good for 
brands to be leveraging? Is Instagram where you should focus in terms of engaging with your audience? I think you need to to be where you're most comfortable and where you're still, you can still see an upward trajectory. If you're seeing a downward trajectory and you're just like, I'm hanging on because I hate Instagram, but I'm going to, I'm going to go down with the ship (laughs) wherever it is. I think you need to be where you're seeing an increase in, in customer engagement Mm -hmm. to answer your question is stories, the opportunity in 2021. I, I, I think you have to say it's part of it, mm-hmm. but if you're ignoring what you're doing in the feed, you're never going to get people to the story. And here's the, here, this is what people fail to understand. No one new finds you from stories. You won't get one. I mean, I'm speaking generally, but statistically speaking, you aren't going to get any new followers from what you're doing in your stories. So it's just like anything. You can't just rely on your on your email marketing. You've got to you've got to be constantly bringing people into the funnel, right? You've got to be constantly focused mm-hmm. on, on better lead magnets and better freemiums and better free gifts for your customers. The, otherwise, you're never going to get them on your email list. So think of your stories as kind of like your email list, and think of your feed as your lead magnet, if you will. So you've got to use both in tandem. To answer your question about whether stories are are going to take off as well as they have on um, Instagram, if they will do so on Twitter and on on YouTube and on Facebook, I have we haven't seen that with our the customers that we poll and the case studies that we've done. I have seen some pretty interesting statistics on YouTube's stories. Now those are that I think there's some real potential there. Facebook, I will say, however. If you're looking at your feed on Facebook, you again, you want to look at it as as moving away from so much like personal, all about just this brand and more value based content. Mm-hmm. Got it. I mean, it's really it's a three step strategy. I don't think anyone on the show has really sort of explained it that way. I mean, just like why do stories work? Where do they sort of fit into the overall marketing strategy? And and you know how much you sort of you know, open up the kimono, so to speak, you know, in those stories and how the whole algorithm works. I mean, it's a, it all makes sense. And obviously Instagram is, is the place where, you know, when people think about stories now they think of, but also there is Snapchat as well. I mean, let's give them some credit. They did actually invent the whole concept. Same thing. Like, how does it translate into some of these other platforms, including TikTok? And you mentioned YouTube as well. TikTok's an incredibly valuable source for me. So I use TikTok to catch trends. Mm-hmm. I, I use TikTok like crazy. I use TikTok to figure out what's going to go viral because it's going to go viral on TikTok at the moment, at the time that we're recording this. It's going to go viral on TikTok before it goes viral on Instagram uh, because most of my customers are on Instagram and aren't on TikTok. I can grab a, a viral idea hmm. on TikTok and post it to my Instagram, recreate it, um, or share it even, and it will feel fresh and new and be ahead of the curve. So it's almost like having a crystal ball if you're watching what's working yeah. on TikTok. And again, the algorithm on TikTok is unbelievable. I mean, I've never picked up a piece of or a platform of social media that is so insanely addictive because mm-hmm. it just knows what you're dying to see next and what you can't turn away from. But Instead of allowing the machine learning to to do that for you, I suggest you just look up a hashtag, right? So just look up a hashtag and then spend some time watching a few of those videos that show up under that hashtag 
And very quickly, your TikTok algorithm turns into, so there's this joke that they'll say like, oh, oh, you're not on vegan TikTok? Oh, you're not on exercise TikTok? Oh, you're not on pet monkey TikTok? Because whatever it is you start watching, your feed just gets flooded with that. And you feel like, oh, that's the only thing people are posting on on TikTok. You really will feel like, oh, this is a platform all about this very bizarre, specific (laughs) niche. Right. You just got to find other stuff, apparently. And and their ad platforms, um, both for Snapchat and for TikTok, are absolutely amazing. Like there's targeting, and then there's targeting based upon video content that you've seen within the last three days, a day. Like it's so laser focused. We, when we started doing it, I'm like, oh my God, like there's so much ahead of where Facebook and Instagram is. I mean, we love Facebook and Instagram because there's, you know, 4 billion active users, but that makes sense. Like from a social perspective, it's so right in the in the moment. And it sort of makes sense because of all the artificial intelligence that goes into TikTok specifically. And, and you know, it, it's hard for us sometimes to be creative. I know a lot of people listening are like, oh, I just, I'm not that creative. Right. You. That's what's great about these platforms is you don't have to be creative. Here's my process for fi- for recreating viral content. I'll find something that's, my target audience for that particular brand is interested in. So say, for example, uh, we produce a line of journals. They're called push journals. And I created the push journal because I have extreme ADD. So I searched the hashtag ADD comedy and watched a bunch of funny, funny reels about people who have ADD. And I'm like, okay, okay, got it. I can recreate this very easily because I know what it's like. And sometimes it is funny. Uh, So I created a a reel that's 30 seconds, all about ADD. You're, you're laughing and nodding going, yes, yes, yes. This is, this is how I am. That's what I do. Oh my God, get out of my head. And then the last five seconds I say, but it doesn't have to be that way. If you have a daily plan and just hold up my push journal. And that ad has been probably one of our best performing ads because it's really funny. But Mm. at the last second, you're like, oh, and there's a solution. I mean, it's crazy what that one 30-second ad, uh, which originally I just produced as a piece of the content. And once we knew it would resonate, we just started targeting to it. So it sounds like you're using the same strategy for paid advertising as well, where you're using a hashtag to find the like popular and viral content. It Are you also testing it first on the regular platform before you turn it into advertising? Totally. Yeah. Because I know if it can hang on to people's attention and people are liking it and commenting, mm-hmm. then it's right. I would say the, the number one mistake that businesses and brands are making today that are going to be left behind is that there's, they're still overthinking and overproducing their content mm-hmm. as opposed to just going low production value, really mm-hmm. organic, like the stuff that you would share. Mm-hmm. And most of us aren't going to share an ad, mm-hmm. you know, like you think about, unless it's like so valuable or, or so funny and, and we know funny works, but it's, it's also got to like provide where people are like, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. You know, I did this with my infomercial too. So my latest infomercial is called Pio and we filmed it originally, I'm trying to think what year, I think 2016 originally. We filmed it and spent, you know, millions of dollars on a, a beautiful fake Hollywood studio. Mm-hmm. We hired a top entertainment 
uh, host who you all know, uh, <laughs> paid them a million dollars. We ha- paid a studio audience of fake people to clap. <laughs> you know, and nod and pretend like, like they're really into this dumb infomercial. And it just was a bust. It was also really highly produced and really mm-hmm. non-organic. Yep. And um, it was a bummer because I know that friggin' program works. I mean, I was mad and, and devastated and bummed and you spend so much time and so much mm-hmm. money trying to make this thing work. And it was a program that I created 16 years ago. And it's still going strong in all the gyms. So I'm like, this should work. I mean, this program does work. It's our marketing that doesn't. Mm-hmm. Can I redo this infomercial myself using my iPhone? And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the CEO of Beachbody was like, hey, we have nothing else to lose. Sounds great. Uh, your, budget is, your budget is $0 and I need it in two weeks. Yeah. I'm like, got it. So I just, you know, opened up my iPhone and uh, filmed it, you know, no hair, no makeup and just talked to my girlfriend, you know, and told Mm -hmm. her like, why this, why I know how you're feeling. I know what you're struggling. I know where you've been. I've got all that and I have a solution for you and just opened up my iPhone. And that was the year the um, infomercial became infomercial the year I was host of the year. I'm like host of the year. I'm like not an infomercial host. I'm just talking about, I literally filmed it like it was an Instagram story, Mm -hmm. you know, no steady cam, just my hand shaking because it's getting tired from holding it up. And uh, it was the number one infomercial that year. We just refilmed it during the pandemic, same style, like in my car, obviously we couldn't have any crew around. So I just filmed a new one and it again, it hit number one on the charts because, because we don't want it produced. We want mm-hmm. real. We want real. Yeah, we're, we're past that point. At the, I mean, now you're just going to have to be like producer of all your infomercials from here on out. <laughs> oh, I, I, I plan to. Yeah. You know, and I'll still catch myself. Like um, I just filmed a, a sales video for another product and I rewatched and I thought, I filmed on my, I did all the things I filmed on my iPhone. I'm like, but that's not how I talk. I was using like, I'm on camera voice. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Mm -hmm. And I, and I was like, if I, if I am my customer and I'm watching that, I know that the voice that she's using is like, that's a sales voice. Do you know what I mean? Where it's like, and you can, and for 495, you know, you know what I mean? Like I just, and I rewatched and I thought, this isn't how I talk. I need to refilm this and just like talk to my friend. And so, uh, again, to give people very specific things to do, rewatch your content and say like, is that the voice? Is that the inflection? Is that the, are those the facial expressions that I use when I talk to my friends? Cause if it's overdone, mm-hmm. it sends off our little meter that says, Oh, I'm being sold to. Right. You know? So a question I got in a uh, chat, cause my team is moderating the TNC chat. So one question we had yesterday was if we are using our iPhones to film our social media content, should I then have it professionally cut or do I just cut it? So it still looks organic. Like I tried to cut it myself or do I film it? So it looks like I film it myself and then give it to a video producer to cut for me. All right. So tricky question, because it depends on how, how good you are at editing. I will oftentimes send mine to an editor, but it still looks homegrown. Mm. And I, I like jump cuts, you know, so I'm not, you know, I don't want a fancy overlay or a fancy transition. Mm. Um, our brains want to see something different every two seconds. Mm-hmm. Like that's about the, so even if I film it myself on the same 
setting and, and I'm in the same room and I have my arm the same distance from my face the entire time. And I talk for two minutes in post, which I, I'll give you the apps. I edit everything on, on my phone. I use video leap. Okay. And I use mixed captions for captioning my videos mm-hmm. and I edit those myself. But what I will do is every two seconds of the frame, I'll cut in, cut out cut left, cut right. So it's still visually, we just watch TV, watch mm-hmm. any TV today. Everything changes in about a frame of one and a half to three seconds max. So mm-hmm. if our brains want change, in fact, what I've been doing recently, which has really been beneficial is I've been editing so that every two seconds, the transition slides to the right because what are we used to doing? We're used to swiping right, swiping right, tapping through stories so that people get that feel that they're actually like tapping through stories and it's moving for them. It's almost like this, we've, we've become conditioned to just like tap. I don't know if you guys have done this. This is so embarrassing to admit my kids are going to die that I'm saying this. <laughs> I'm, I can't believe I'm going to say this out loud. I got a Christmas card yesterday. And I literally took my fingers and tried to like zoom. I'm like, what am I doing? I was going to say you swiped to open it. (laughs) Literally, I was like trying to zoom on a card. I'm like, what is going on with my brain? I have done that on like different apps where you can't pinch to zoom. And I'm like, why is it working? I'm so afraid that like one of my teenage kids is going to be around and be like, mom. I'm like, you're spending too much time on your phone, mom. I can hear them. Or you're blind. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, quick, fast um, Mm -hmm. edit edits. Listen, if you're not great at these editing, if you're not great at editing, send it because your Mm -hmm. time should be is way better spent coming up with more content than it is editing that. Um, And you don't need like a super high, I'm going to make the editors upset with me, but you don't need a high priced editor. You need someone who knows how to edit this stuff where it's just changing every two seconds Mm -hmm. and it's a jump. It's not overly produced. Yeah, absolutely. Is that really just cured with just two camera angles in most cases? Or are you like using the same camera angle and you're doing the jump cut too? Is it better with two camera angles? I, I not for me because no, two no. two camera angles means it's going to take me twice as much time. It's got it's twice as much editing. Like I, one camera, let's case, go. Two hands. So yeah, totally. <laughs> no, I just use one camera, and yeah. I will, um, you know, like every two seconds, I'll cut, but I'll just zoom in, zoom out, zoom got in, it. zoom out. You know, so mm-hmm. I'm actually cropping. I should say, not zooming, cropping in, cropping out, cropping left, cropping right. And then the transition between those lately, what I've been doing is making sure the transition just makes the screen feel like it's swiping to the right. Got it. Got it. Or from right to left. And we'll leave links in the show notes for some of these tools as well. Like that's super cool. And that's like, it's a, it's a low tech way of doing it. I think that's the biggest thing that people just get, they get in the way of themselves. Like, I'm not going to look like a Beachbody commercial, so I can't do video. Well, you know, to your point, you get a really great example here is like the more professional the better, you know, the, the, actually the worse it could potentially do the less professional and the more organic and, you know, everything in the feed is like you blending in to stand out to, to a certain degree. And then obviously on your stories as well. So super cool tips. Um, so as far as the, like the biggest mistakes that business owners make, is it that, is it thinking that they need to overproduce or just sort of 
getting out of the way and just being real. Like, yeah, whoa. too much branding, too much, you know, like even these people I see, I watch their stories and I'm like, oh my God, I know they ju- they had somebody spend hours yeah. and hours and hours make these beautiful text posts in Canva. And it just doesn't, it just doesn't convert. It doesn't hold yeah. our attention the same way. It doesn't feel personal. Think about the people you follow in stories where they're, they're, they're using these templates Mm -hmm. to create their stories and they are beautiful, but they're so freaking boring and impersonal. I'm not connecting with you. Mm -hmm. So, so I would say make it messier, you know, and I've got a team here who are, a lot of them are are graphic artists and and it's hard for them to like (laughs) put ugly, messy stuff up. But I'm like in our stories, if it's, if it's branded and it looks like one of you created it in Canva or, you know, a graphic artist spent some time doing this, like nobody connects with it. They just right. don't connect with it. It needs to feel like there's a real person behind the camera who just posted this right now. Mm-hmm. Right. right. And even if you go to some of the social platforms, like for us as a social media uh, advertising agency, like we get advice from all the platforms. And it's typically it's the, I mean, I hate to say it, I'm sorry, Facebook, but it's the wrong advice. It's like, you need to show your brand within the first three seconds, you know, show some motion, get some attention, do a, you know, B-roll as soon as somebody sees it. And it's not necessarily any of that post-production stuff. It's really, it's just being real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You want people to go, what is this? You know, who who is this? If they feel like, oh, this is an ad, we just, it's almost like you you get this visceral response, like it's an ad and you want to like get rid of it fast. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? yeah. Unless no, it's like so the squatty true. potty video or something like that. There you go. Humor. You want yeah. to watch that because it's friggin' funny. It is. But that also costs like a million dollars to produce. And, you know, you had like a team of 30 people and it took six months and like the average business owner can't do that. And I think, you know, the tips that you're talking about here are super actionable. So as far as scaling businesses go, like that three-step formula, you know, the page, then the feed, and then obviously getting much more personal, you know, with the pitch, with the survey on the inside, like what should business owners really be thinking about as far as like, how do I scale this up? Should I be hiring a team to do it? Should I do it just on my own? Like, how does somebody start who says, you know, I've got under 10,000 followers, probably the majority of the folks that are listening to the show here. Yeah. You know, I'm a big fan of hiring a team and then spending the time that you need to to train them and to motivate them and to correct it and then fix it and then have them do it again like just like literally over their shoulder until they really are understand like the way you're thinking um, and then let them run with it so for me we've got 10 different accounts the only one that i do m- the majority of the work on is my own personal account but you know there's 10 other accounts that range anywhere from 30,000 to a half a million followers and I've just got a VA running each one of those, but I, I, you've got to spend time helping them understand what it is you're looking for. I will say this, it's a thousand times cheaper for me to manage all of those accounts this year than it was last year, because <laughs> last year we were trying to produce all the content mm-hmm. and that takes time, a mm. lot of time. And now because the majority of our content, again, the example I shared with you is 100% uh, shared content um, that's so easy and so fast. And, and it's, it's, it's our account has grown so much faster and people are so grateful and thankful that he, their content, maybe they've got 10,000 followers and we just shared them to an account that has a half a million. They're like, ah, oh, and then they follow and then they share it. And it's just like all ships rise. 
And I say that, but there are, of course, those people are like offended if you share their content. So it's always best to ask for permission mm-hmm. um, and make sure you, on, in, under all circumstances, you give the original creator credit. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then people are pretty happy about it. But in terms of scaling, yeah, like you just, you, your dream only grows to the size of your team, you know? Mm-hmm. And so always trying to find a less expensive way to do things. And we think, oh, well, I'll, I'll do this myself and I'll edit the video myself and I'll interact with all the comments and I'll find the content. You know, at a certain point, it's like you, the reason why you became an entrepreneur uh, is for freedom. Right. And you don't have freedom if you're doing all the things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, like we tell like the people that, that we work with as well. It's like at a certain point, you have to have to get out of that handcrafting mode. Yes, you do do everything. Like I said, when we were building this business, I like I did every job and then I hired people that are better than me to do it, but I did do the job. So I think it's important for entrepreneurs to think that way. Yes, you should do what you're saying. Absolutely. But then at a certain point, like you got to be the CEO, you got to be the owner of your business. You got to think more strategically you know, whether it's running your Facebook ads or your social media management or, you know, your email marketing, you can't do it all, especially if you have revenue that substantiates it as soon as possible. Once you actually handcraft it yourself is, is getting people that are even better or complimentary to you to, to do it. I would dare say that you need to do this before your financials allow for it. Mm. Cause I think mm-hmm. your financials don't allow for it cause you haven't done it. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that's been true for us. Like, you know, we, we struggled and struggled because I was trying to like save us money. I'll figure, I have no idea what I'm doing, but I'll figure out how to code. I have no idea how, <laughs> what I'm doing, but I'll figure out how to like do all these things. Just build like, a WordPress site. Yeah, right. right? <laughs> At a certain point, you have to say, I can't afford not to yeah. take mm-hmm. this leap of faith. And when you invest in other people, your every everything gets easier and and here's the deal if you are afraid to do that because you're not sure financially it's it's going to make that difference i always say bring someone on temporarily part-time mm-hmm. temporarily as a consultant mm-hmm. and and if things work out th- then you can bring them on full-time mm-hmm. or you can bring them on as a a full-time employee or to hire an agency but you, nothing is permanent but nothing changes until you have better people around you. And if, if you look at the most successful businesses, the, the people who are most successful, and I don't define success just by like financially. I mean, they actually can enjoy themselves. They have learned that it's not saving you time or money to try to do it yourself. Mm. Yeah. Letting go of the rope for an entrepreneur oftentimes is the hardest thing in the world. Oh and it's still God. hard. I mean, like, I'm not going to lie. Still I hard. Yeah. With it every day, every day I'm like, <laughs> Oh, now do I give them feedback on how to fix this or do I just fix it myself? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's the dilemma right there. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, you can't grow by doing it all yourself. I think if, you know, that's sort of the business lesson, uh, you know, wrapped up in, in this whole show here today is yes, learn how to do it, understand how it works and so forth. But as soon as you sort of get a level of competency, even before the financials back it up, hire a team and that's how you you really do scale yeah good stuff well this has been tremendous and uh this is just sort of a snippet i know we went down a couple of different rabbit holes here that you might not be doing in your uh in your talk tomorrow so really appreciate you 
coming on today to Perpetual Traffic. This has been tremendous. So for people who want to find out more about what you do, obviously you're on all the social channels, but uh, where should they uh, check out Shaleen Johnson? Yeah, I'm on uh, Instagram is probably the best one to follow me on. That's at Shaleen Johnson. Um, for Instagram tips, it's instaclubhub.com. And, um, you know, I just appreciate hearing from people and I love it when they reach out and tell me like what's working for them, what's not working for them. I think it's great when we, you know, share that knowledge with each other. And I love doing that. That's great. It's tremendous. Well, we'll have all the links to everything that you mentioned here in the show notes. If you're driving, you know, don't try and write this down or voice memo it. Uh, we know a lot of people do try and do that. Safe driving, obviously important, but make sure that you do check out uh, trafficandconversionsummit.com for the recordings of uh, this week's extravaganza. Definitely check that out. Shalene, a bunch of other great speakers that are there. Uh, like I said, it's the best marketing conference on the planet, done all virtually here uh, this this week. So uh, definitely check that out over at trafficandconversionsummit.com. And like I said, for all the resources and all the links that we mentioned here in the show notes, there were a lot because Shaleen dropped a lot of knowledge bombs here. Head on over to digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast. And this has been episode 285. Shaleen, thank you so much for coming on Perpetual Traffic. Oh, it was my honor. Thank you so much. You guys are awesome. Till next week, everybody. See ya. You've been listening to Perpetual Traffic. For more information and to get the resources mentioned in this episode, visit digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you.